Welcome to this week's Hotel Unless podcast, where uh, you find us back as usual. Uh, me, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Unless, and Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Unless, uh, coming together to give you our thoughts on um, matters of note in the hotel investment space and on issues that uh, directly affect it. Uh, and this week, we're going to start by uh, having a, a, a few words, more than a few words perhaps, about the latest version of COVID-19 to emerge in the world, which seems to have sent governments into a panic and um, seems to have rolled back the last few months of hopeful talk around the opening up of airspace and international travel. Andrew, you've been taking a close look at the panic the the overreaction yeah. and the consequences yeah. so um, yeah yeah i was getting more and more optimistic about the the strength of the recovery I and mean, the q3 results were much better than people had been anticipating um and uh, i've been out and about at different conferences and you know each one became more bullish as i went mm. along um and of course this just came to a crashing end um on Friday, I, um, I was actually in Greece uh, at the weekend at a, a conference um, organised by the uh, uh, the Greek Hoteliers Association, and it suddenly was doom and gloom. Unfortunately, um, thanks to this new variant. Now, I, I think it's important to focus on what we do know and the facts, rather than get into the hyperbole, because it, you know it's in danger of becoming a bit like Brexit. This whole debate, because on the <laughs> one hand, you've got the sort of anti-lockdowners um, shouting about how gruesome everything is, and on the other hand, you've got the sort of the, the medical lobbyists sort of you know piling on the pressure to for more and more restrictions um, and trying to navigate a sensible path between these two shouty sides is, is quite tricky I think uh, very much like um, Remaniacs and the Brexiteers unfortunately but that said what do we know about Omicron and the short answer is not really a great deal actually other than that it's been identified as a significant um, variant and it's been identified by the World Health Organization as a variant of concern. Now they don't dish out this label of variant of concern very lightly so they are indeed concerned about it so just uh, um, for those not following the full story of Covid's evolution so we kind of started with what was known as Alpha as the first variant of concern which was formerly known as the Kent strain um, so that that of course well um, came out of the UK um, and um, has been was fairly dominant for a while and then we had a couple more um, variants of concern they didn't really impact us here in Europe that much um, so we had one called beta and we had one in, in, in gamma um, uh, gamma was mainly in South America and beta was mainly in Africa and then the most recent um, uh, variant of concern prior to um, Omicron was Delta and this is the now the prevailing strain of this lovely bug that's been giving us all this trouble um, and 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 uh and delta was indeed that was the one that used to be known as the Indian variant um, um, that's now uh, showing signs certainly if you look at the data coming out of South Africa as being displaced by 
Omicron. Now, there's all sorts of you know technical details they have unearthed about about this new variant. It's got um, you know lots of different spikes, which and, and there's all sorts of speculation. But we don't actually know yet whether it's um, genuinely uh, more deadly, whether it actually creates more sickness um, and more likely to kill you, or in fact whether it is the optimist slant, it's less likely to create serious illness and death um there is some indication that it might be the latter but we just don't know yet it's too early to say and we're probably not going to know for two to three weeks what we do know is that it is more transmissible um, and that's why it seems to be displacing delta as the the new sort of fashion in covid terms but what's it led to uh, globally, despite this uncertainty, this we're not really sure what's it going to mean, um, governments have reacted with fury um, in terms of tr shutting down all borders in some cases and reintroducing all sorts of restrictions. I, I think it relatively it's been measured in the UK, but um, you know we're, we're talking about having uh, once again having uh, mask mandates we're once again having I think the most worrying thing in terms of the day-to-day -day activity is going to be this 10 days of isolation if you're contacted um, um, regarding your close contact with a proven carrier of the new variant um, this has the potential to create all sorts of chaos now this is a legally um, enforced um, isolation period of 10 days regardless of whether you're vaccinated or not so it could be terrifically problematic um, and the the new um, legislation that came into force um, in the UK and for England is there until at least March. So this is potentially a very major setback, but we don't really know just how serious it's going to be. Um, and my hope is that if we do see within a couple of weeks that it's not too severe, the government moves with as much speed as it's shown to put these new restrictions in place by removing them um, um, that remains to be seen um, uh, we don't know um, we don't know what's going to happen um, but I do think we've reached a point in this where people are going to have to say well what actually are the balance of risks here we're at a point where um, the health services in the UK are creaking because doctors and other healthcare people have not been able to do their jobs because of lockdowns, because of restrictions. And we've got this huge backlog um, in the millions, potentially in the as much as 12 million, some headlines are saying today, um, this, this backlog of, of, of operations and other uh, needs that people have. Um, and potentially, um, tens of thousands of people are dying from diseases which normally would be cured um, so there are real meaningful costs just if we just look at the medical issues but once you start factoring in the economic issues the issues around not educating children um, the the huge mental health impact we have both for children for adults for not having normal social life um, and the huge disruption to people's livelihoods 
episodes which we're having i think we there's a serious question about what is the balance of risk here are we getting it right um i certainly am over to the side of we actually need to stop introducing random uh, lockdowns and new restrictions until we're clear what the threat is and we can't go through you know how many more variants might pop up and suddenly say well this might be potentially really really risky and yeah there is of course there's a risk if we don't act quick enough it might be that this gets a hold and gets going but it does seem that it's got across borders pretty quickly regardless of whatever people are doing and how much they're slowed down by this 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 new sort of regime which has instantly been brought into place um, the americans the u.s is now looking to have a, a tighter regime in terms of travel um, in the uk we now have to have a a pcr test on day two i just got into the habit of having a lateral flow test on day two <laughs> found somewhere that only cost 20 pounds 50 um, which was great news um but now i'm gonna have to step that up if i go overseas that's another 40 quid yeah. um yeah um just for that day to test if you you know if if you can find a country which uh, hasn't closed its borders so um i mean we have got extreme here and i i just don't think the approach of the chinese in particular or even you know places like new zealand where they just seem to think oh we can keep this out it's not working and you know if we look at how much damage their economy is going to suffer because of a much longer and much more drawn out recovery period i'm just not convinced it's worth it and yes hong kong the hong kong government is currently crowing about how it's been able to stop the omicron variants inside its quarantine hotel but by goodness the damage being done to that economy because of its 21 day quarantine uh, mandatory 21 day quarantine for most um citizens of western countries um that they've introduced a new regime which is uh, just for those 12 lucky african countries um <laughs> identified as being one of the original places for for omicron um it seems to be everywhere so i'm not quite sure where they've been picked on particularly but they actually have a special facility if you're from one of these 12 countries and you turn up in hong kong they send you off to this special place and you're tested every day it sounds sounds completely horrific actually but yeah <laughs> so well. I, 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 this this can't carry on no like no this and we have to i think we have to get to a point where we say well actually scientists we're you know they got it completely wrong this summer hmm. Um, or the four main groups that produce that do this modeling of where we're going to be in terms of our um, infection rates they massively overshot the reality and they were saying oh we can't open up it's going to be horrific well we did open up and guess what it wasn't certainly infections went up by nowhere near the, the to the nowhere near the extent to which they they uh, these modelings um, predicted and certainly the level of serious illness and death has been mercifully very low um, right now there is no indication that that's going to change with omicron um, there is some 
uh, evidence that it's going to be easier for it to infect people but that's very different to making them seriously ill or um, and putting them in hospital or indeed killing them it's a very different thing and there's no evidence that it's doing that and you know the early evidence is it's actually doing the opposite is actually going to be more mild so the most optimistic outlook you can have on this is actually this wipes out delta and omicron we're all thanking our lucky stars for the christmas present of omicron because what it has done is brought to a crashing end um the whole covid pandemic i think that's probably being a touch too optimistic but hopefully it is certainly a more milder version which will lead to us coming out of this faster and stronger um so fingers crossed we've we're going to have this as our christmas present <laughs> um i have to say that uh, you know I, I what we've got to see is a is a more balanced risk approach approach by governments um because we're not getting that and i and i also think you know we, we've got to have uh, you know our industry standing up and saying look think about what you're doing here the damage that you're doing um to to people's livelihoods to people's mental health um this is this is really a huge issue um just as one little anecdote um um you know in in greece so i i i at the beginning of last week i went to stockholm to the pandox market day and sweden is like this this liberal enclave you know uh, against covid and there was no masks no sign of it's it like going back in time chris <laughs> you wouldn't believe it you just you got on public transport nobody was wearing a mask you went into a bar nobody wanted to see a vaccine passport ah, um you just, just like manchester you just had a beer the week for me yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you had a beer and it was you know it's great it really is great um and you forget how great that is then you turn up in greece and greece isn't you know one of the strictest by any by any stretch of the imagination but you've got masks everywhere the one that um, I fell foul of was I turned up to the breakfast buffet at the hotel and you have to put rubber gloves on. <laughs> and I thought, oh, why? Because you've got to handle the spoons, apparently. <laughs> the, the, so, oh, dear. I, I was there. Yeah, trying to, and unfortunately, I've got somewhat um, hands of the, 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 at the large end of the spectrum. My, my fat fingers were struggling to get. So I sort of half put this glove on sort of two fingers to try and pick up the, and I got a right ticking off by the, uh, by the maitre d' in the, <laughs> dear, in the buffet rest restaurant. And um, uh, what's interesting, the next morning, you know, she said, oh, hello, Mr. Sankster. We have the gloves here. And she'd got a <laughs> pair of extra, uh, extra large just for you. <laughs> extra, extra large fat finger variety <laughs> of, of rubber gloves for me, just for me. Uh, entertainingly, she did accuse me of being Russian. She says, are you Russian? I said, no, no, I'm from the UK. Are you sure you're not Russian? <laughs> yes, oh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I would do. <laughs> we'll leave that one there well <laughs> 11 days anyway. ago I, I flew in from geneva because i've been uh, skiing in the alps uh, uh wearing masks left right and center wearing masks on my easyjet flight wearing masks inside manchester airport and uh, jumped out to get on a, a, a tram and head into the center of manchester and again i you know i had to adjust to the fact that uh, i was back in the world of free-for-all you know um england uh, where, where yeah, you know, no one's yeah. bothering pretty much with a mask. And was was that right on the on the public transport? So I mean, London is still when I've popped down. It's sort of, oh, well. it was about a third of people wearing masks, I guess, to two thirds not. Um, well, this was this was Sunday so evening. Depending. It wasn't the rush hour. 
Uh, but uh, right. I don't think there might have been one person on the tram wearing a wearing a mask. But, right. Uh, okay. They've all got to do it now. I suppose so. But, uh, we'll see whether they yeah. do. But uh, yeah. yes, and what good it does as well is the other question. And and if I try to go back to Switzerland now, uh, they don't want me. <laughs> That's right. Although they do allow you to pass yes. through. Yes, you can go spread they? your germs. So you could go on France your way to France, instead. can't you? Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, uh, you can't stay <laughs> there. No. Marvelous. That's going to do this ski season. Absolutely. Now then, let's rewind the clock to pre Omicron days. And there I was in Manchester at the annual hotel conference uh, where it seemed a pretty upbeat affair. Um, this, everyone seemed to be pretty positive about uh, the way the uh, UK hotel market is heading uh, operationally and in terms of uh, investment as well. Um, some, some obviously concerns, around, particularly around. Uh, uh, cost inflation and you know repeated repeated concerns around uh, staff resourcing um, and how that's going to be solved or will it will it actually be solved? Uh, but of course the flip side was um, the uh, hearing a, a panel of uh, hotel investors talking about how things are looking fairly strong in the markets they're looking at and uh, so strong in fact that um, uh, Guy Pasley Tyler from from Archer Capital even suggested he might turn into a net seller uh, because pricing was was so strong and um, uh, certainly there were suggestions that you know there's still such a large amount of money looking for a home that that, that is in some ways uh, leading to some rather gravity defying pricing but it's not all that way around um, and did hear from uh, some of the uh, the bankers and lenders how you know the the, the situation is not uh, all one way there are issues around what the valuers think hotels are worth and uh, someone even suggested that hotel values are dropping although they need to get challenged on that <laughs> in one of the panels um, but by and large uh, pre-omicron we were all looking fairly confident and I think that's going to continue post Omicron as well. To be frank, I mean, I think we're going to have a blip. Um, we we clearly had a blip with the share prices, which were sort of dropped double mm. digit. They came back a bit in the last day or so, but uh, um, on the sort of Friday and Monday trading, it was it was pretty gruesome. Mm. Um, but uh, but in terms of asset prices, um, I don't see them taking a big hit um frankly because of this and i think it's you know it's absolutely right what we've been saying for some time is that you're not going to get any bargains this term around we're going to see that whoosh mm -hmm. recovery and in terms of that whoosh recovery um um i i was in um <laughs> the week um, before you were in Manchester, mm -hmm. Chris, I had to suffer going to uh, to the UAE at uh, Ras Al Khaimah. Was slightly warmer, I suspect, than yeah, dear old Manchester. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and 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 there, I mean, it was very optimistic actually the mood um, I was at an owners conference the Gulf and Indian Ocean Hotel Investors Summit um, organised by Hoftel and we had Simon on from Hoftel a few weeks ago on the podcast um, and his event um, went went very well I think uh, reasonable attendance um, and what, what he had you know what um, he had within the room were, were a bunch of pretty 
pretty bullish people I think in terms of both the trading outlook and in terms of you know what the opportunities were going to be I think one of the most astonishing things I saw um, was just how big this whoosh has been in that market now it's very this is a very small period so I don't want to get to, to read too much into it but I think it's indicative um, and this is STR gave some numbers from the 1st of October to the 12th of November 2021 comparing that period with the same period in 2019 so pre-pandemic um, and they said the recent period was up 47 percent in the Dubai luxury market for average rate and for what they described as the 10 um, uber luxury hotels in Dubai their average rate in this uh, period was up a, a absolutely humongous 108 um, percent it's an incredible increase and that just shows what a whoosh mm. there is there in terms of the recovery um, and uh, you know people were expressing you know surprise at the strength of that recovery um, and it, it really just sort of kicked in suddenly um, I think the expectation is in the medium term that um, I think somebody talked about rubber hitting the road as owners you know are unable to to invest the kind of cash they need to reposition assets as we come out of um, um, so as one described it the life support um, they've been under um, I, th I think we are going to see assets change hands but I'm not sure we're going to see many bargains what we're going to see is opportunity to build portfolios and restructure and I think that if, if you're prepared to get that heavy lifting done you've probably got one of the best opportunities that, that's going to be out there in the market for a generation to get stuck in but just don't expect it's going to be as straightforward as buying low and selling high. Now one of the other things we've seen in the last few weeks uh, is quite a few signings between uh, hotel groups and technology partners uh, these are probably the fruition of, uh, of months of talks and uh, even more months of deliberation through the pandemic uh, but uh, Marriott has signed a new technology partnership with Amadeus uh, TUI, the tour group has uh, signed a deal with Sabre to help distribute their their hotels uh, and Wyndham over in uh, Asia has uh, strengthened a deal they already had an arrangement they already had with Trip which will see uh, more distribution um, via digital uh, for their hotel rooms over there so um, th this seems to be uh, certainly an opportunity for the the big brands to be sharpening up their act once more getting a bit uh, a bit bit more clever about how they manage their IT and I think probably perhaps the realization also that uh, through the downturn they may well have, have um, had to let go some of their in-house uh, IT and support teams and actually you know suddenly realize that they might be better off not taking them back on and and outsourcing this to um, people who are expert at it and of course for Amadeus uh, linking up with Marriott it does give them the opportunity to build on the work they've already been doing with uh, Intercontinental for the last few, few years where they've effectively been building some some modules and a, and a toolbox to uh, help pull the, uh, the the hotel industry at large into a much more digital age, uh, unifying things, stopping things being held on servers where they can easily be be stolen <laughs> and data leaks, um, putting them on the cloud, um, enabling much more real-time update of information and uh, holding out the promise of the next development which will be artificial intelligence coming in to help uh, manage that data and make more sense of it so that hotels can be a bit smarter about how they look after their guests so um, exciting times mm -hmm.
yeah it is i mean it's um who'd have thunk that the the best idea was for tech companies to focus <laughs> on tech and hotel companies to focus mm. on running hotels um it's blinking obvious when you think about it and yet it's it's taken a couple of decades to get our heads around it as a as a sector i think um we have for those last two decades really just seen tech drive mostly into the distribution side the the selling of the hotel rooms and um, we've done very little in terms of the efficiency ends the you know whether it's procurement whether it's somehow um, we uh, staffing is done all of all of this how property management all of that kind of stuff we, we've actually had comparatively little innovation that's become beginning to come through and uh, in in the jargon what we're having is uh, the full stack technology now coming coming on stream um, and quite sensibly we've got the big groups now signing up with um, big tech players to deliver that so um, as you've said we've got Amadeus first jumped into bed with or rather IHG first jumped into bed with Amadeus um, and now Marit has has joined them um, and uh, Accor have tied up with Sabre I mean of, of the big four it's probably Hilton now the outlier not having a, a, a tech partner so that's one to watch who they're going to um, hook up with but uh, we'll we'll wait and see there i think this as we come out of this um this this shock this covid shock i think technology and in particular this this non-distribution element of it i've mentioned is going to be critical i mean this was raised at that uh, that conference i attended in uh, in the uae um it was also talked about at uh, pandoc's market day i attended at stockholm um andreas scriven from deloitte he said he he, he gave data showing there's 100 m million jobs in the hospital hospitality sector have been lost globally and the challenge uh, facing the sector is bringing these people back in um, his fear was that they're going to stay as Amazon delivery drivers or supermarket workers um, and I think that's a good point and we've got to work hard to 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 do that and you know deliver efficiency and enable higher levels of pay um, and training and and uh, technical accomplishment as part of that whole process to to upskill the workforce i think is going to be critical as we as we come um, um out of this this downturn um i think the real note of optimism at the pandox event was robin rossman at str and he pointed to the share prices of a couple of the tech stocks zoom and peloton both of which have taken a beating this year um and that he said zooms down 30 percent peloton down 60% this year in terms of the share price and he said what this shows is the valuations had been underpinned by an expectation of their their growth during the pandemic continuing that's clearly not going to be the case now um, well om Omicron permitting um, and therefore they're they've been slightly more uh, re-rated and that's an encouraging sign I think um, of how we're coming back out and how tech is uh, um, being a little I wouldn't say put back in its box but is 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 having to be part of um the overall picture and it's not all just digital it's 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 part of a um the full stack of um, okay and life. now we're going to turn to our five star and no star awards for this week and uh, this week i'm delivering five stars for the return of the market so as i do the daily news each morning for our subscribers i'm seeing more and more brands signing new deals in new parts of the world 
uh, Radisson in Russia, um, Holiday Inn Express finally making it into Japan, for example. I'm seeing more development lending, uh, develop lending not just on, on investment hotels, but actually on new developments. Uh, there's a travel lodge funded this week by, uh, by Oak North. And the deal volume is rising. So uh, good news all round, Omicron aside. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're absolutely right, Chris. And um, it, it, it's going to pause, I think, for a, uh, a month. An extended while, Christmas break. You know, we we settle to <laughs> see where Omicron lands. Yeah, um, it, it, inevitably, and then we'll see. Um, but I, I remain, mm. you know, optimistic for the, the medium to long. And no stars. And no stars, yes. Well, we have to give it to that the, the overreaction um, by some governments. Now, it, it's easy to beat up governments, I think. Um, and they are in a very difficult spot at the moment um, because they are faced with, you know, a lot of calls to to ramp up their. Um, sort of restrictions and you know i have to say I, i'm somewhat disappointed by my colleagues in the press because every time i watch a news conference the the question seemed to be why aren't you imposing more restrictions and if you're a politician you think that's where the pressure lies i'm not convinced that's entirely where the pressure is and i think it's more and more becoming why have we got so many restrictions and i would like to see a few more questions um from the media um about mm. Why are you imposing yeah. this? What justification do you have for this? Um, so almost it's no stars for the media's coverage of this, I fear. Um, because I think, you know, governments at the moment are just slamming down border controls. I mean, Israel have just bomb you know you're not allowed in um japan you're not allowed in um mm. you've just meant you mentioned switzerland mm. and we had to backtrack a bit um in terms of they realized just how much damage that was going to cause um but there has to be more justification for that and 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 more as we started this podcast talking about a more balanced approach to risk rather than just the um one-sided covid um, lens it needs to be a much broader lens than that and um, I think the media is partly responsible for this obsession with why don't we have stricter controls I think it's why have we got such strict controls is Absolutely. a question that needs to be asked and on that salutary note we'll say goodbye for now